Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. We are so excited that you are joining us for the show today. This podcast aims to explore a biblical life view in a conversational tone. Let's join our host and founder of Servants of Grace, Dave Jenkins, for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I get to welcome back my friend, Christopher Ash. Christopher, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. It's good to be back. Yeah, it's wonderful to always chat with you. You're very encouraging and kind. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, please catch us up on your life, marriage, ministry, and some of your current ministry projects you're working on? Very gladly. My wife and I now have six grandchildren, and we thank God for each one. We pray that they'll be born again and be followers of Jesus. And we're still living in Cambridge in England and belong to St. Andrew the Great Church. I am on the preaching team there. My wife is um, helps to lead a, a women's Bible study group, and we serve the Lord at Tyndale House as well, where I'm writer in residence. We try to encourage younger scholars and their families. My main project is on Psalms. I've uh, uh, another book on Psalms being published in the spring called Psalms for You with the Good Book Company. And I'm trying to work on a a much bigger Psalms project for Crossway, uh, if the Lord spares me. Well, congratulations on your grandchildren and uh, on uh, that project on the Psalms. I know you've been working on that diligently, so we can't wait to read it, brother. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell us a bit about your book, uh, Remaking a Broken World, The Heart of the Biblical Story? Why did you write this, and how is that being received? I love writing this. It, 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 it struck me. I remember years ago, many years ago, as quite a young Christian, doing one of those thematic or word Bible studies on scattering and gathering. I can't quite remember why I did it, but I did, and had a thrilling time tracing the theme through part of the scriptures. And then I mentioned it at the end of a a talk at a pastor's conference, the uh, Evangelical Ministry Assembly in London one year, and a a publisher came up to me and said, why don't you work that up and see if that might become a useful book? So I did. It was first published in uh, 2010, and then it's just been republished this year by the Good Book Company. I don't really know how it's been received, but from time to time, people have messaged and said they've used it as as a, as a study, a thematic study of the Bible, a kind of Bible overview. And uh, I, I've been very encouraged when I've heard, heard that. Yeah, I, I've seen several people uh, on Twitter and whatnot mention it, and, and they've spoken very well of it. Of course, I, I like it because I'm having you on the podcast. So I thought that it was really well done and um, looking forward to this conversation. So. Oh, that's kind Mm-hmm. What's the significance of the Bible's teaching on scattering and gathering, and and why did you pick this theme to focus on in this work? Well, it was really striking. I think I first noticed in the, in the prophets that scattering of God's people was a sign of the Lord's judgment, and prophecies of gathering the people was um, linked with God's rescue. And then I worked up the theme, and I, I I thought of the first sort of community in Eden, Adam and Eve, and then the scattering away from the garden, expelled to wander the world. And then the Tower of Babel, scattered by human pride. And then tracking through the Old Testament, how God began to assemble his people, 
Israel together at Sinai, gathered under his word in the Old Covenant, and then gathered at Jerusalem under the king in David's line. And then the exile to Babylon, the kind of rerun of the Tower of Babel, expulsion, uh, scattering again. And then a wonderful theme in the life and ministry of Jesus. I, when I'm lifted up, will draw all people, all kinds of people, to myself. And then Pentecost gathering, maybe we'll talk about that in a, in a minute, of the local church. And then finally the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, God's people gathered together. And the, the more I worked on it, the more I thought, this is a really helpful lens through which to read the Bible. It's not the only part of the Bible story, but I saw things in the Bible story that I haven't seen uh, when, when reading it, as it were, through other lenses. So I thought it was worth developing. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, one question that I have just, just right off the top, you mentioned in the Old Testament, um, scattering is a sign of God's judgment. But you, in the New Testament, we know that, uh, you know, you mentioned Pentecost, you know, they, we gather together, we see that at Pentecost, as you mentioned, and then they scatter that, but that's not a sign of judgment. Yes, yes. And the local church is a, is a s- sort of paradoxical scattered gathering. <laughs> There's a scattering, but wherever the people of Jesus are scattered, they then gather in assemblies, in congregations, in local churches. And so, as you rightly say, that missionary scattering is a different kind of thing, and I do try to address that uh, in the book. You're absolutely right. Do you, do you want to say any any anything else for those wondering more about that? Like, why is that so significant? I I think where it cashes out is in the significance of the. Local Local church, that the local church is not simply a convenience, but the local church is an anticipation of the final gathering of God's people. And it gives to the local church a tremendous spiritual significance. And I guess I feel that those of us who've been brought up in Western cultures, uh, we tend to think in a very individualistic way. And I think this theme plays against that and says, no, the corporate gathering of the people of Jesus is a really important thing. It's not just isolated individuals who happen to meet together on a Sunday or wherever. Um, There's something organic and much more significant than that. So it's that kind of thing that has really motivated me to to work on this. Yeah, that's an important important thing that you just said, because uh, I know that growing up in the Northwest uh, of the United States, you know, Seattle and living in Idaho. So I I lived, you know, 90% of my life in, in that area. And one of the big things is people think that they can just be isolated. They can go to the coffee shop and have church. And it's yes. like, that's not a, that's not a Bible. Uh, that's a Bible study. Um, you can have a small group, but that's not church. There's no qualified elders at your uh, coffee shop. You know, there's no communion. There's no baptism. There's no uh, preaching. There's fellowship. So we can affirm that. But, you know, uh, you're, I think you're absolutely right. This this whole theme of gathering and scattering, I have never really thought of it from the Old Testament, but it makes yes. sense. And also, just, just following up on that, I mean, our culture is very into spirituality. You know, Oprah Winfrey is into spirituality. Everybody's into having some personal spirituality, but it's an individual thing. I choose it for myself and shape it for myself. And there's something about historic Christianity and belonging to a church, as you say, with, with properly constituted eldership and the sacraments and the preaching of the word. There's something about that which plays against the kind of individualistic, I choose my own spirituality thing. So I think there's something very important 
going on here. Yes. How can biblical theology help Christians better understand the Bible itself? Well, a biblical theology, I think, probably understood is a way of uh, putting the jigsaw together. You read a, a bit of the Bible and you read a bit of the jigsaw, but the jigsaw does fit together. And if we read just a little bit of it, we may misunderstand it if we don't fit it all together. So we take a theme like the tabernacle of a temple. And I guess it's only when we see in biblical theology how the, 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 the temple is fulfilled in Jesus and then how the local church is described in temple language that we, we can read Old Testament passages and understand where they're leading. In my work on the Psalms, there's a lot of that kind of thing going on. How do you read the Psalms without a proper grasp of the whole Bible story? So I think it's a really important discipline. And I, in the circles I've moved in, doing a Bible overview in church has become quite a popular thing. Uh, and putting the whole Bible together and helping see how it fits together. And it's been a really good development. All sorts of Christians, young and old, have found it very, very helpful just to think, oh, now I can see how the whole thing fits together. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, one one series in particular that I, I have really appreciated and benefited from is the Short Studies in Biblical Theology. You can, our listeners can find just about, I've interviewed just about every person that's written in that series so far, minus one so far. But um, I've, I've just found that so fascinating, tracing different themes of the Bible. And, you know, it, I know that a lot of people want to find one certain theme, one, you know, one sort of meta narrative, if you will, uh, that ties it all to get the Bible all together. But I think what this series is showing is it's okay that we don't have just, just one specific theme. It, it's a person anyway. Uh, it's a person and his work, Jesus. Um, I think that is that overarching theme that we're wanting to thread, if you will, uh, throughout. So anyway, that's yes, my I think, thought. I think that's right. The Bible is greater than the sum of its overviews. Uh, any overview is not the same as the, the whole of Scripture. Jesus is greater. The gospel is greater. I quite agree. How does biblical theology help Christians to serve one another? Another in the local church. I I think this particular lens that I'm using in this scattering and gathering book uh, helps uh, because it shows the significance of the local church. And if I see how the local church is uh, an anticipation of the final gathering, it is where God is actually gathering real men and women today. Then I'm going to understand that my whole attitude to the brothers and sisters in my local church is going to be one of commitment uh, in a way that it might not be if I just think they're a kind of convenience and it's a, like a store that I visit to get what I need. Yeah, I think that's really I think that's really an important thing that you said and, and I'll take it a little bit different direction. You know, you might have somebody that's volunteering in church and they feel like it's it's pointless and those types of things and that, that they're wasting, may, might even feel like they're not going to tell the pastor this, but they're wasting their time doing it. You know, we're talking about somebody greeting and it's like one of the most significant things that you can do in church is to greet somebody at the door and to greet one another to make one another feel welcome and this is a caring place where 
you know, you're not just going to hear a sermon and, you know, get the Bible stuffed with the Bible, but, but you're going to receive love, you know, love from Christians who have received love or, and are loved by God. And, yes. uh, there's just so many practical things that I think in biblical theology, you know, helps us to understand, you know, or, or some about 50 times or so, depending on how you take those one another passages and how many, you know, we're told to one another each other and care for one another. We, we learn that from uh, biblical theology. I think you're so right. And our ideas of what is significant get skewed. Of, you know, we, the, the world tells us this or that is significant, a particular promotion or a particular kind of work that gets the world's attention. And some of the seemingly insignificant things we may do, serving one another in a local church, uh, I wonder if in eternity they may not turn out to be some of the most significant things we've done. Yeah, that's that's really really well said yeah the the most insignificant things you know we think uh well i didn't teach i didn't preach i didn't do communion i was never an elder and so so i'm i'm not a i'm not a good christian and it's like no it's were you faithful did you did you use your gift um you know not for your own glory but for you know the glory of god and did you did you serve and and commit yourself wholeheartedly to to that service? As far as I'm concerned, uh, you're a success, you know. And yeah, I, I it just drives me nuts. It baffles me really um, how we think about wrongly about serving one another. We serve one another because we've been loved by God, because we're growing in His grace, and those types of things. Yes. Well, how does biblical theology help Christians to grow in their understanding of the person and work of the Lord Jesus? I remember somebody once using the uh, little picture of a portrait and saying, just trying to draw out the ways in which getting the whole Bible story fills in the background of the figure of the Lord Jesus and the whole of his person and his clothing, as it were, in a way that helps us to see something of his greatness. Whereas if we just, well, I say just read the Gospels, the Gospels are wonderful. But if we don't read the rest of the Bible, we miss out on some of that. I've loved, uh, I'm working, as you know, quite a lot on the Psalms and just that sense that all the lines of foreshadowing in the Old Testament converge on the Lord Jesus Christ, the prophet, the priest, the king, the wise man, line after line after line. And I find that um, the more I get a grasp of that, the more I have a, a sense of the wonder and the greatness and the glory and the majesty of Jesus. Yeah, one, one, that's really good. One, one thing I like to do is I like to take certain psalms, you know, how um, Psalm uh, 40 or 42 says that God is a very present help in time of need. Well, what does Jesus say in, in Hebrews 2, 17 and 18 and Hebrews 4, 14 through 16? Jesus says he is that need. He yes. he meets that need. He fulfills that need as our high priest. He he sympathizes with us. He invites us. He summons us before his throne. So the very help and present time of need that we need is Jesus himself through his high priestly ministry. Yes, Yes. And we could go on and on with how in Psalms Jesus is a very uh, Jesus is our rock of refuge and and um, our shield and you know he he has all of those things. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. What, what's the most interesting connection in the Psalms that you've you've found so far? Ha! Hard to know where to start. <laughs> I think the, the the 
expressions steadfast love and faithfulness, which can be translated grace for steadfast love and truth or truthfulness for faithfulness. And so there's a sense in which when the Psalms and elsewhere in the Old Testament, we celebrate the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. And then we read in in, in John chapter 1, grace and truth are are found in Jesus. We realise that the Lord Jesus is in his person the fulfilment, the focus, the encapsulation of the steadfast love and faithfulness or truthfulness of God. That's a lovely link. And uh, I think he's is really pregnant with all sorts of richness in uh, in a number of psalms. Yeah, that's that's the that's the Hebrew word hasid, right? That mm-hmm. that you're referring to. Yes, yes, and emet for for truth. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. Yeah, uh, you know, it brings to mind Lamentations, where you know the the mercy of God is new every morning. Um, yes, you know, it's it's amazing. Like you We've said, been, it's. We've been loving a recent song by the group City Alight. Uh, It's generally known by the refrain, yet not I, but through Christ in me. And the second line of the the, the first verse says of Jesus, there is no more for heaven now to give. And I love that, that sense that having given us Jesus, there is no more for heaven now to give. Having given us Jesus, the Father has given us all that we need for life and godliness and eternity. So I found my sense of the uh, of wonder at the greatness of Jesus increased. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. How how does uh, biblical theology help Christians to grow in their understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives? I'm very struck in this um, little scattering and gathering book, Remaking a Broken World, with the way in which Pentecost is a kind of reversal of the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel languages are divided and there is scattering. And at Pentecost, there is the reverse. People of different languages understand one another, uh, singing the praises of God. And I think one of the ways in which biblical theology helps understand the work of the Holy Spirit is to grasp that the work of the Holy Spirit is not simply uh, a, a work in my life personally. He is working in my life, thank God. I would have no hope if he didn't. But he's working to build the Church of Christ corporately. So I think I think it's helped the, the biblical theology has helped me to to think about the work of the Spirit of God uh, in that corporate way, building the Church of Christ. That that that's how this has helped me. I think. Hmm. That's really really good, brother. Really good. Um, how does how does biblical theology help Christians grow in their understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit in local churches? Well, I guess following on from uh, what we've just been saying, we, 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 we watch for the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is not just an individual thing. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is a relational thing. And when the Holy Spirit is at work, we, we see uh, confession of sins, we see forgiveness and forbearance, uh, we, we, we see love, we see self-control, we see respect for people in a culture that's desperate for people to be respected and honoured. We see, I guess in a way, we see God's antidote to the divisiveness of identity politics. Mm-hmm. We live in a very angry and fragmented society. 
And we see in a healthy church the Holy Spirit breaking down barriers and bringing love and respect and care and compassion between unlikely people. I've just been away speaking at a church weekend for a church that's been troubled in a number of ways. And it's been wonderful, really, to see the Holy Spirit at work through the Word, bringing a measure of healing. That's wonderful. Wonderful to hear how how the Lord is at as is at work among his his people and you know we should just give thanks for that. You know, we don't we don't deserve that, he, but he is at work and um ministering to broken people, people that struggle with assurance, pastors that are struggling, elder boards that are struggling and and the word is is to be central, central to the life and the health of the church. Um you know, Hebrews four twelve says that the word is sharper than a two edged sword. And mm-hmm. what is when when Jesus talked another biblical theology connection? What a lot of people don't realize. I know you do, but a lot of people don't. Is that 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 sword? When Jesus says, you know, he'll speak a word. That sword is is his word. The word out mm-hmm. of the word's mouth, and he'll defeat all of his enemies from miles and miles down the battlefield that'll be a huge massive battle and he'll he'll just speak the word and it just shocks me because it's like this is this is a huge gathering of you know we think of like a battle right we we think of like you know maybe uh with planes and um you know uh, tanks and all this this is this is like miles and miles long and here's jesus he shows up he, he, they're all, you know, there to attack him and all those things. And, and all Jesus does is, as the word speaks the word, <laughs> this word that brought creation into existence, this word that gives us life. Uh, and he'll just speaks his word and he destroys his enemies. It's, it's just the most amazing thing in the, in the whole Bible. Yes. I, I just, I get blown away by it. Yes, yes. Yeah. In, in what way is the glory of God bound up with what happens in local churches now? I was very struck when studying this by the significance of uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's a a unity about the triune God, as it were, a sort of coherence. And when a local church is fashioned with some anticipation of that real unity, that breaking of barriers, it begins to image the unity of the triune God. Uh, And there's something about a broken and shattered creation that um, does not reflect the glory and honor of the God who is one. It's so fundamental, isn't it, in the Old Testament? The Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's a coherence um, to the triune God. So I think the local church is, is the place where the brokenness of our shattered world is beginning to be remade. It's always a mixture, isn't it? I sometimes say that a local church is always a mixture of, in in Bible imagery terms, it's always a mixture of Jerusalem and Babylon. There are always elements of Babylon in a local church, and we're very aware of that. But there are elements of the true Jerusalem, uh, one people gathered in harmony under one God, and that's a wonderful thing. Yes, that that means that we can we can come with all of our foibles and sins and struggles, and we don't have to play pretend with one another because 
you know, we are we are being we're made. We're being uh, grown in, in the grace of God. And, you know, one day we'll be completely like Jesus. So so we can lay aside pretense and just just be who we really are, you know, because of Christ. And yes, uh, yes. I, I was really struck. I was preaching this last weekend, Psalm 87, from which we get the old hymn, Glorious Things of the Outspoken Zion, City of Our God. And it's a wonderful song that celebrates the supernatural diversity of the Church of Christ, ultimately, that there are all these strange and unexpected people uh, whose names God is entering in in his register. This one was born in Zion, given new birth. And it's true, uh, for all the failings of our churches, I often look round a local church, as I did this last weekend, and I think, but if it weren't for Jesus and his gospel, there's no way this particular group of people would be away for a weekend together. There's no way on a Sunday that this particular group of men and women would be together were it not for Jesus. There's something deeply honoring uh, to God about that. Yes, that's really well, really, really well said. Well, Christopher, where can people uh, go to find more and learn more about your work online, either on social media or otherwise? I'm not very good on social media, so um, you have to take your chance on that. Tyndale House, where I work, produces a, a, a good little magazine from time to time called TH Inc. Uh, I think it's a little pun on Tyndale House. You can get it free online, sign up for it, uh, and I contribute to that. The Tyndale House website has, if you go to the staff page, it has uh, a little biography of me. It has a list of my publications. If you want a full list of those, that's a good place to go. Uh, Preaching that I've done, you find in random places all over the place. St Andrew the Great in Cambridge is our home church. Um, Stag.org is the website. So you'll find some of my preaching there. But there's some on the Gospel Coalition under their resources, I think, and um, various other random places. I'm sorry, I must apologise to your listeners for not being on social media and for not having my own website and all sorts of things that (laughs) self-respecting 21st century people probably ought to do, but I haven't. Well, you know, we'll we'll forgive you for that this time, but but by next time, you you know, we we expect you to be on social media and have your own website. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't hold your breath. I know, I know. That was sarcasm. Yes. <laughs> well, there, there's a lot that we haven't uh, covered in the course of this interview about this topic, brother. Just as we wrap up this conversation, can you give us a few takeaways? Yes, yeah, sure. I, I, I'd love to encourage listeners to make a habit of reading through the Bible, reading great chunks of the Bible. Many, no doubt, already do that. But if you don't, it's a wonderful, rich thing. Don't wait till you understand it before you do. Just start reading and reading and reading, and gradually uh, your understanding will grow as you soak yourself in the Bible. And if you get a chance, maybe through this little book, or there there are others uh, that give you a kind of Bible overview, uh, take the chance of studying something like that. It may help how it fits together. And I think the other thing is just to make your local church a priority and say to yourself, the fact that I belong to this local church, wherever it is that you live, uh, is maybe one of the most significant things I do with my whole life. Yes, it really is the most, one of the most significant things. 
Well, brother, I, I just so appreciate you and the work that you do. Um, you're, you're a great encouragement to me, both personally and, and through your writing. And um, so thank you so much for your time today and pray Christ's blessings on you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you were encouraged by today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. For more uplifting and thought-provoking content, please visit us online at servantsofgrace.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Servants of Grace and on Facebook at facebook.com slash servantsofgrace. We hope you have a blessed day and we will see you next time.